Welcome. You are now listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show with Roshan Lugani, Eric Olson, and Adrian Nicholson. This show is an exploration of ideas to help you work towards your ideal retirement. Roshan Lungani and Eric Olson are certified financial planner practitioners that serve clients across the U.S. They offer financial planning and investment advice through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, and securities through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and NFA. Get ready for the financial independence of your dreams. Welcome to the Retirement Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Roshan Langani. We're here to help you achieve all of your dreams and have a happy, fulfilling retirement. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Eric and Adrian. Today, we will be discussing uh, when to know or when to retire. Uh, we want to make sure you're fully prepared on all aspects for this, at least as best you can, because it is a learning process. Um, how are you doing today, Eric? I am doing great. I'm looking forward to a big week with family next week. So pounding through it and looking forward to this stretch to talk with you too. Adrian, how about you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad to be back. I just got done spending some quality time with my family and friends and I'm excited to dive into another important podcast when to retire. It's going to be it's going to have a lot of great content. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So we started out uh, first talking about building a retirement vision. We then went on to how to turn your vision into a plan. And now let's say you're at that point where you're ready, ready to retire. So we want to help you figure out how to know if you're ready and that there's more multiple aspects on it. So we've, we've started out with three ways or three uh, broad categories. You need to be ready financially, emotionally, and relationally. Would you, Eric or Adrian, have any other general categories that you'd add to making sure you're, you're ready to retire? Yes, I would. Adrian, how about you? Um, I think those were the main ones that you talked on about the financial aspect and the emotional is definitely a big one. I think that's going to be um, a really interesting topic that we're going to discuss. Yeah, I would say part of it is the, the some other ways I think of thinking about this is partly what is your uh, personal life mission? And is that life mission going to be more fully expressed if you continue to work? Because maybe your work, honestly, is the avenue through which your unique set of skills and gifts are most fully expressed to, to do good in the world and to do good in, for the, in the lives of the people around you. So in that sense, it's, it's alignment with your mission and purpose. I think another one, to a certain extent, is a, um, a loyalty question. And that that doesn't apply, I think, in, in necessarily every instance. But let's say that you're in a role where you are, if not the key person, certainly one of the key people in your business, then have you have you fulfilled the, the obligations that you, from the standpoint of integrity, uh, have explicitly or implicitly made to either clients or to colleagues or to, you know, the business. And so I think there's, there is some element of that as well. I don't want to make that sort of like the heaviest or most, the most heavily weighted element, but I do think it is a consideration. Yeah, that's a, a big point there too, Eric. And when I was in college and people were part of organization, mm -hmm. one of like the mission statements and one of like the main thing was when you're leaving the organization, you're leaving it better than when you started. So that, yeah, that was a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've got, we'll go through each of these categories. So I've got financially, uh, and I'd actually say personal, I'm trying to put this in, in an order uh, that you, that you almost in order that you think about it, right? So financially, then the personal life mission, loyalty to your current uh, position or career, I, I then put emotionally and uh, relationally. And then I added one more as well is, um, uh, 
I wrote just the word time, but what I mean by that is how will you spend your time? Mm -hmm. Now, all of these uh, things, um, I think, almost deserve their own uh, episode or their own mm -hmm. uh, own uh, deep dive. But let's touch on these at a high level. Um, and so I'll start with the first one. Financially speaking, the simple thing is making sure you have enough money to retire, right? But it goes, it has a lot of layers to it, which is one, where is your money coming from? As far as having, I guess, let me take a step back. What's enough? That's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. So finding out how much you need to retire and what's enough for you to retire, then where is that money coming from? For many people, there are pensions, there is social security, there is savings uh, into regular investment accounts and then retirement accounts. There's also um, the potential issue financially um, from a tax perspective. If you've got more than you need for retirement, then you hit 70 and a half and, you're, and the age has just been up to 72, but you hit required minimum distributions where you're forced to take money out and then you've got a slightly higher tax bill. So it's managing your taxes as well. So when I look at being financially prepared, I first start looking at from a cash flow perspective, where's your money going to come from in retirement and making sure you have enough to meet your uh, needs and your desires in retirement. What would you add or take away from what I just said uh, from a financial perspective? Well, I guess I would say uh, maybe it's because of the habit of thought that you and I uh, have necessarily developed in what we do day in and day out with clients. But it it feels like if if financial isn't the the number one, it is certainly one of the top one or two considerations. I, I guess I would say if you're not going to be able to pull it off financially, then all of the other questions do seem to, I think, uh, well, with the possible exception of your health, uh, all of the other questions seem to sort of fade into second or third place. Uh, but I, I completely agree with the, the point that you made about taking an inventory of all of those guaranteed sources of income that you'll have, plus the, and taking an assessment of whether your portfolio will be um, in the kind of shape to provide the supplements beyond any sort of guaranteed income that you have to make the monthly budget work essentially. Um, and along with more than just the monthly budget, if you have a gifting ambition or you have a legacy uh, goal, then of course that financial element needs to be factored into it too. Cause then in those instances, there needs to be a surplus and a remainder respectively. Yeah, so, and as you were halfway through when you were speaking, thinking I wrote down health as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I've mentioned this uh, conference to you before, uh, or class, I should say. Uh, it's by um, uh, OSHA at UNC Asheville called the PATHS program. It helps you plan out your retirement. Mm. Um, and they don't touch on the financial side at all. Uh, or not really, because they're there to more help you transition. Mm -hmm. And I bring this up. One, I think it's a great, great program. Uh, it's a great, uh, great program and a great class. But two, I remember when I went there more to learn, um, the first thing I thought was, um, was uh, it's a luxury to have these discussions and thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't, exactly. the, the, you need to figure out the financial aspects for any of that other thing to matter. And the only other thing that, that really, um, I think is as important as you described is health. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully you're in a position where you're healthy, you're doing well, you're feeling good and this is optional, but there are definitely people who because of health are forced to retire and if they're not ready financially, they have a, uh, a major problem on their hands. Yeah, exactly. And it's also important to know, like you and Eric said, you know, taking your, your inventory, seeing where your income is coming from, because these are going to affect the type of standard of living that you're going to have when you retire. If you're, you know, before retirement, you have a high standard of living, you have a lot of expenses and stuff, then you need to have that, you know, large income stream and you need to have resources to be able to have that. But when you transition to retirement, you need to make sure you have the, the income and the resources to either maintain it or maybe to evaluate and see if you need to make adjustments in your life because your standard of living is 
is definitely an important aspect of that. Yeah, and that's where the planning, I think, and and you know, we talked about in the previous episode, incorporating your vision into a plan. I think that's where that comes into play. Exactly. Yes. So when you're when you're at this point where you think about those uh, those other aspects beyond financial and health, my assumption is that you've either a figured out the financial aspect in this, um, or I should say you figured out the financial aspect. Either a you have enough, or b you figured out the adjustments you want to make so that you can retire. Um, mm-hmm. So then Eric, to your two points that you added on first of a personal life mission uh, and then loyalty to your current career. Um, I would almost reshuffle my order as we've discussed this and, and add though, I, I would say first you've got to determine whether your personal life mission is a part is continuing your career or is it elsewhere? Right. And then once you figured that out, um, and let's assume it's elsewhere just for this discussion, um, then you've got to figure out the loyalty. Um, actually, I would say then you figure out the financial piece, which would be the uh, financial planning piece we described. And, and assuming then you've decided you were going to retire is where the question of loyalty to your career, which to me is time. Can mm-hmm. you retire now? Do you've got to give them one year's notice or um, uh, are you able to retire at, at any point from and, and you know, everything will run smoothly uh, at your former position? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would, let's do talk about those. There, I guess there's one more thing I wanted to say about the health since you kind of got my thinking going. Is that all right if I just chime in a little bit more on that? Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. So, um you know, I want to, uh, we we work primarily as you you know the, when I speak speak about the we I'm talking about the three of us we work primarily with the the sorts of people that figure they've got a sufficiently complex situation that they need some advice and the, and in addition they have the wherewithal to pay for that advice otherwise the equation of our service model and their and their need don't you know they don't come together. But there are a lot of people that by, uh, in some cases, due to their own choices, and in other cases, uh, due to choices beyond their control, they're in a situation where they need advice, but they can't really, uh, they can't really afford to obtain it, at least in the ways that we normally provide it. And so I'm mindful of the fact that in that sense, at least, we wish we could help more and it's just not viable in some ways as a business for us to do that. So this podcast in part is a way to offer something uh, for those of you who may be in that situation. If So for example, I had someone come into the office the other day and in the end, I think she recognized it was not going to work to become a client, but um, she had um, her husband had uh, cheated on her and that led to the breakup of the marriage and uh, he had not uh, saved a lot. She had been um, in a relatively low-paying part-time job even during the period of their marriage after the children were out of the home. And so there really hadn't been a way for her to save much, and nor did he he really save much. And so in the divorce, what little was there, you know, that she got basically half of little. And so now is trying to make this all work with with the with the additional consideration that she's just not in great physical shape. And so how does she go out? And, you know, on the one hand, we could look at the equation and we could say, well, if we, if we do the financial plan, the best option for you would be to work until you're 70 and postpone taking social security and then until that time so that you can maximize it and so on and so forth. Right. We, so, but in her case, the physical, constraint is such, the health constraint is such that that's just not an option. So let me ask you. The option of working to 70. Working till 70 or even honestly working until even her late 50s. Exactly. So when you're in a situation like that, do I mean, you could hear at one level, you could hear what we've been saying so far in this podcast and think, I'm totally hosed. I have no, I have no viable, viable option. Uh, you know, I'm listening to these three planners and they're making it sound like uh, I should just throw in the towel. What uh, Adrian or what Roshan would you say to someone in that situation? You know, what kind of, what kind of strategies would you offer them 
to try to put that together. And I, and I would ask those of our listeners who are more sort of looking to us for the, you know, the, our, our normal, what I would say sort of, uh, characteristic uh, client, I just ask you to be patient with this part because this won't apply to you so much. But Roshan and Adrian, how would you respond to that person? You figure out figure out your options is what I'd say. And then when I say figure out your options, let's uh, was she? How old was she? I think she or was fifty seven, fifty eight at the time. Okay, so she's got five years until she can take Social Security. Mm-hmm. And I assume she doesn't qualify for social security disability. Whatever physically she has going on is not a disability. Not yet. Okay. So um, uh, I would say first, uh, you've got to figure out how to get 62 at the very least, right? Mm -hmm. Working till 70 to get a higher income is great. But what, what I'm getting at is figure out a way to get 62 and then figure out a way to live on social security, which may mean living abroad. You know, or moving so, something, something like that. If she can't, um, uh, it's an unfortunate, unfortunate situation. But the um, sort of the mathematics are are actually pretty basic in the sense that your in expenses need to be within your level of income, mm-hmm. right? So she's got to figure out a way to live in her retirement based on that income at sixty two, and then if she could that social security income at 62, I should say. And then if she can continue working beyond that and delay taking it so it grows, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But if she can't, she's got to be prepared for that that alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what Roshan said, um, look at all your options, you know, look online to see if you can find any tips or anything, exhaust your network, see if you have any friends or families that might've been in the same position or they know somebody that was in a similar position to see if they maybe have any strategies or any ideas that could help you exhaust your network would be a, would be a a start at least. Mm -hmm. I feel terrible for her though. That sounds like a really difficult situation because the, the general thought would be, uh, work until you can afford to retire, but that doesn't sound like that's an option for her. That was an interesting point that you brought up, Roshan, saying an, an option could be go abroad. I, I, you, I just, my thought is you've got to live within, if, if, mm-hmm. if she's got to live within social security and from what Eric described, neither of them had, had high income levels. I imagine her social security is probably in the thousand dollars a month, okay. especially at 62. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't see how you live off of that here. Right. So it's interesting that you should say that because um, that was precisely my advice was to say, look, this may not be this may not be desirable from the vantage point of connecting with your extended family readily. But we're at this point talking mostly about necessity and less about desirability. Um, You need to find a way to live in some setting where your cost of living is considerably lower than what you're facing right here in in where we live, at least in Northern Illinois. And there are some places in the United States that are certainly much lower cost than here, uh, particularly on the property tax side and housing costs and, and so forth. But there are destinations within this hemisphere where the cost of living is is much lower still and where there's decent health care and there's, um, you know, there's good transportation and so forth. And so, and, and which are relatively safe and as well. So, you know, you, when you put all that together, that might be the, the strategy in, in some of those cases, but coming back at least to our own, the, the typical, um, circumstances of the clients that we normally serve, I would say the health piece is, is, is when that pops, it's, you know, when that surfaces, then there's usually other ways of approaching the problem that don't necessarily require moving abroad or something of that kind. And, and, you know, that's actually in this situation that I think that's, um, that's a huge problem for her because um, she can't use her Medicare abroad. Right. So if she's got health issues and then she's she can't afford to live in the United States. All of a sudden uh, she's got to and I don't know of a place like this. But she's got to go somewhere where not having insurance or, or medical medical insurance uh, 
is not a, a, a problem. Well, so this is a sense of, I don't mean to get us too far out. Maybe we ought to have a, a podcast where we're just talking about the elements of international living and we could review some of the top 10 places for international living. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, but some of these do have buy-in, uh, relatively low cost buy-ins into the, into the national um, health system. And mm-hmm. so for a relatively small cost, which makes no sense at all that, you know, particularly North Americans who've never, <laughs> never lived or contributed to these systems are suddenly moving there. And during the years of their, just because of their age, heavier utilization of healthcare than they otherwise would have used, let's say, 20 or 30 years before. And they, for a relatively modest cost, are able to buy in and uh, essentially become part of that plan. So I, I'm not saying it's it's the right thing, but I'm saying that the option does exist. And not, not to sort of quote you to it, but can you put a ballpark on this relatively low cost? Yeah, buy-in? so I think in terms of... Um, I think some of the numbers that I've seen are like, let's say, $50 a month in some cases to be part of these national plans. And then with that, you have either no or low co-pays. So um, I I don't know what you guys tell your clients to expect in terms of their out-of-pocket health care costs. But once they hit 65, but I tell clients to think in terms of at least $500, that includes their Medicare A and B and supplemental and out-of-pocket drug costs and co-pays and all that sort of thing. You know, that's unless they're really, really super good shape and they almost never see the doctor, think think in terms of $500 per person per month. And if they're heavy utilizers of that, then think of, you know, more still adjust upwardly accordingly. Yeah, well, and that I think that's a that's a good number, but yeah, that's I did not expect it to be as low as you said, fifty dollars a month. That is a very low. That looked cheaper mm-hmm. than here, mm-hmm. and you can get in the system. So, yep. Uh, now for this woman, we just got to find out which of those countries uh, has that as an option, right? I'm just thinking through her her problem. Where can she a afford to live on? Yeah, what her social security would be at sixty two, and then which countries will have this health care? Uh, healthcare scenario, and um, and I don't know her, but mm-hmm. um, she may be someone who's totally open to moving, or she may be someone that that would hate the idea. But I can't really come up with uh, any other any other solutions. I'm going to get us back. Go ahead, yeah. Quick, thanks. I want to get us back on a topic. Yeah, thank you for indulging me in that. It's it, it's the real world thing, and I think a lot of a lot of our a lot of people in this country are faced with that. And we just, we don't really address that because that's not yeah. usually the, the client base that we serve. Yeah. And you know, when I normally, I've had people say they'll move abroad and um, uh, I've had multiple people say, in particular, when we're talking about health and long-term care, I've had multiple people tell me, oh, I'd leave the country and you know, go get the health care elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of all these people that have said that to me, there's only one that I actually believe Oh. <laughs> because they had, a, they had a tie-in to moving abroad. Oh, okay. So when I dig deeper, uh, because I, I view my job is to come up, have them come up with a strategy. And if their strategy is move abroad, and that's a truly viable strategy for them, great. Let's yeah. uh, let's move on. But um, uh, I've only had, as I said, one person I believe. Others, when I start digging deeper and deeper, they have no connection to another country, don't know mm-hmm. where to go. So mm-hmm. I know that's a that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to give us a really quick recap okay. on what we've touched on and then move to the, to the next one. So, so you've done your, uh, well, first you've looked at your personal life mission. You've decided that it is not in continuing this current career. You've then done your financial, uh, plan, run your numbers. And you said, okay, I'm financially in a position where I can retire. Uh, we've, discussed and reviewed your options with with health and you are in a position uh, where you don't anticipate uh, or you're prepared for a major health issue uh, as far as impacts go financially. So you're now getting ready to decide if you're going to retire and you've got the question of your current role and current career and loyalty to that. And I'm actually going to tie that in with what I put in as, as the uh, category of how you'll spend your time. Mm-hmm. And the reason I tie that in is I have uh, multiple clients who either have retired later than they had initially planned or 
have not retired, even though they're financially ready, because they don't know where what they'll do with their time. So it wasn't necessarily the, the, the terminology you used of loyalty to their career, not that they don't like their career, but they would rather go to work than not know what they would do mm-hmm. with their time. Yeah. So they're, they like their job enough, but it's not their personal life mission. So let's right. start with, uh, with the loyalty to your role and your career. And Eric, I'm going to ask you to expand on that. Well, yeah. So I think it, certainly it's going to vary. Um, for example, I have one of my cousins, uh, it works for a major um, manufacturer. And he is in an engineering role with that manufacturer on a key project that, in fact, um, one, uh, just as just kind of cool to see, uh, he's the team lead for the engineering team that out of something like 60,000 people in this, um, uh, engineers in this company, his team won the engineering team of the year. So he knows what he's wow, doing. Wow. He plays a special role. He's critical to the success of this. And they, they, they have been just grinding this guy. I mean, they have been grinding him down, grinding him down. He's been putting in, you know, routinely 75 and 80 hour weeks for years. And on the one hand feels resentment about it, but, and knows that they don't, they're not necessarily personally committed to his welfare. And if he would be willing to jump into another role right again, and they asked him to, it would go another 80 hours or more per week. You know, then they, if they, if he would say yes, they'd say, well, great, uh, now to do this. <laughs> but at the same time, it's interesting how much loyalty he feels to that particular project. He feels like it would be at some level just fundamentally wrong for him to walk away when he might be one of the only engineers that knows enough about every aspect of that particular engineering project to make it succeed. And, you know, there's people all over companies in our, that our clients are, are working for that where they occupy some sort of really particular niche where they just feel such a loyalty to the completion of their mission at some level. So that's, I would say that's more, I think human beings are kind of wired at some level to want to find a mission. And maybe sometimes we miss, I'm not faulting my cousin or any of our clients that might be in a a similar position as this, but I think at times it's sometimes it becomes something that's not really an ultimate value takes on this, the sort of importance or sort of looms as though that it is ultimately important. And in some cases, I think, you, you know, at one level you have to check your, your, your loyalties along those lines. But I do think that that instinct of, of, loyalty is, is something that you should evaluate. I think it's even more true. And this is because something, this is what y- you do and what I do. I, I don't know about you, but I, we, I've made promises or at least implicit promises to help see my clients through um, this journey that they're on. And for me to say, you know what, I'm really only going to be here for a couple more years and then I'm going to, I'm going to f- hand you off to somebody else. Uh, that somehow feels like in some of these cases, I should just say, I can't take you on as a client, honestly, because I won't be able to see you through that journey. I'll only get you started. And I'm not, I can't vouch for the next person that's here. Cause we don't have a person in place that I, that I trust yet to do that. So that's not a great answer. So, and as it happens, by the way, in case any clients are listening, that my full intention is, and I'm not making this up. I love what I do. I know you guys love what you do. And uh, so if somebody told me I had to quit 10 years from now, I'd still feel a little bit disappointed. So I, you know, fingers crossed, I'll have the, the mental acuity and the, and the physical energy to be still at this going strong 15 years from now. And uh, so, so, and, but in this case, the bottom line is, is I feel that loyal to these, to these clients as, and I know you do as well. And that's true all over the place. So, or it might be that, Hey, there's been an employer who just in a smaller company, I think this is more characteristic has just stretched himself or herself to really make it possible for you to provide for yourself and for a family. And at some level you feel like you, I mean, it's the right thing to do is to reciprocate that by helping that business reach a point of sort of the next, the next um, growth level and the next sort of a um, point of stability um, through a, after a growth phase so that it finally can be turned over to somebody else. And there are other people in your group that have been developed. You're not, just throwing it back on that, um, 
that small business owner and just saying, hey, I hope you figure it out. Thanks for all you did for me. I'm not going to do anything back for you beyond what I've already done. <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Do you, I, do you, I, I, I hear this kind of this language and this sort of assessment in the, and, uh, from some of my clients. And I, I'm always touched by that. And I admire that when they're talking in that way. It shows to them, it shows me at least to that to them, their work means it's some, it means more than just deriving a paycheck. It means that they're part of a social fabric, even if it's in the workplace that's been developed over time and that they, they want to make sure that they reciprocate the loyalty that they've received with loyalty back. Yes. I, 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 completely agree with you. There was so much that you went over there that, that I'm trying to process at yeah, the same time. But yeah. I, I have similar, have had similar conversations with clients where, where, uh, I say, you know, I love what I do. I talked about people, talk to people all day about when they're going to retire, but I, I have no, no, uh, plans of retiring. Not that I don't have, I have a financial plan, right. That has mm-hmm. a date, but I don't, I, I, I call that, that's financial independence as opposed to, Retirement. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily learn about stopping work, yeah. but mm-hmm. um, that loyalty is is important. I I would all counter that, and I've had this conversation before as well with with um, a loyalty to yourself and your desires, which feels mm-hmm. very selfish. But um, if you work until you die, and there was, and you're not doing your personal mission, you're mm-hmm. doing, but you're very loyal to your employer, then you've done a great service to them and a disservice to yourself. That's a great point. Yeah. And I just think that's a, that's a, a question worth asking that would vary. Like your, if your cousin, for example, if that's in pursuit of, of, of your cousin's personal mission, then uh, I don't see anything that's not aligned there uh, aside from getting frustrated with the hours and so on occasionally. But um, if on the flip side, uh, Aside from feeling a loyalty to the firm, uh, your cousin's not pursuing um, his personal mission and then missing out on things that that he would like to do because of this loyalty. I'd almost argue, well, they're not showing you that loyalty back by stepping on your own goals. And I think he recognizes that. And as a result, when they offered him this new, you know, this next significant position, it was like, what are you crazy? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The mission's uh, a big part of it, and you you also see this a lot in the sports industry as well with players and coaches who they they've been in their leagues so so long, whether it's you know hockey, baseball, basketball, and football, and they just can't seem to retire till they win that championship for their mm-hmm. city because mm-hmm. they've been working for you know ten, fifteen years, and you know that's their main goal to win a championship, mm-hmm. and so. Some of the reasons why they, you know, will have to retire can be health issues as well, where, you know, mm-hmm. it's not good for them to stay in there so long because, you know, they, you know, you don't want to, you know, retire and then you're, you have a lot of health issues and you can't really enjoy it after you put in so much work. So mm-hmm. definitely in the mission and what keeps you motivated are big reasons why people would want to stay in their career, their career fields. Mm-hmm. I think in this same vein, it's also, it's not just people who are employed by someone else, but it's also people who, the owners, the, the business owners. owners and how, uh, what lo- loyalty do they have to their own clients, which we were talking about in our case to their, uh, and to their employees. But I do like what you're pointing out is, is that it can be, it can be warped or it can be skewed so much to just the one side and you are faithful to one loyalty, but you're faithless to another loyalty, which would be to your, your personal mission, to your family or what have you. So that, I think that's figuring out that balance is, is critical. And Adrian, when you mentioned sports, um, uh, I immediately thought of uh, DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. He was, uh, uh, Eric, I don't know if you know the story, but he was, he was, he was the face of the franchise for the Raptors. Oh. And uh, apparently he's talking to the GM one night about the future of the team. And then he finds out a couple days later, he's been traded. And uh, Kawhi Leonard comes in, they win a championship. So for Toronto and for the GM, it worked out well for DeRozan. I don't know how how he feels, huh. feels about it. I just know that that's a loyalty thing where, you know, I feel like as a player, 
everything I've read and seen was he was very loyal to the franchise. Yeah. And then the franchise didn't show that mm-hmm. loyalty back to him later. Uh-huh. Uh, um, but I'm going to continue on with the next couple categories. And then we will go deeper into, into all of these. I think it, it deserves a lot more time. But um, so continuing through the progression, you've determined that your current role is not your personal mission. You're financially ready. You're prepared for, for the help. In terms of the loyalty piece, you've decided that you can leave and you've given them an appropriate amount of notice, whether that's two weeks, two years, whatever the time frame is. Now you're at the end of that time frame and you need to figure out um, where you'll spend your time on a day-to-day basis. What will you be doing with your time? And the reason I think this is so important is because this is your transition into retirement. And there are a lot of people that that will make that transition, and then even if it's temporary, be unhappy because they don't know what they'll what they're what they're going to do with their time. This also touches on the other two categories we have of um, relationships and uh, are you emotionally ready? So in many cases, a lot of your social interaction is at work. So where how are you going to replace that? Mm-hmm. And then in many cases, your identity is at work. How are you going to uh, uh, find yourself, so to speak? So I think the exercise of saying, okay, here's how I'm going to spend my time. Um, and the first thing I'll hear people say, I'll hear the big things like, oh, well, I'm going to travel more. But what I mean is, okay, let's say you're not traveling for the next month. What are you going to do when you wake up? And that's where I think planning out, almost planning out your schedule, you're retired. You don't have to stick to it. You can do whatever you want if you wake up and don't want to uh, want to follow that path. Mm-hmm. But having that schedule and knowing what you're going to do with your time, I think, is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, talk with me, guys, about how you how do you discuss this with your clients? Is it more from just sort of like f- see if you can figure out how you could fill your calendar or is it, it is there some other angle that you take for that? Now, I don't make them schedule to the minute. Right. Mm-hmm. But what I what I'm looking for is do they have some things going on as far as uh, activities and things to do? Mm-hmm. So I literally will say, okay, when you retire, what, and I'm taking you as best I can through a conversation I had about a month ago with a client. Mm-hmm. Well, what are you going to do with your time? She said, well, I'm going to go to yoga class every day. Do you do that now? She goes a couple times a week, but she wishes she can go. She could go every day. She just can't because of work. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that is a, um, if she said, I'm going to go to yoga class every day and I find out she's never gone, I don't really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> But so, but then my response to that story will be, well, we should add this to the list of something for you to try. Right. I I imagine you're starting to plan out your time in retirement in advance by, I'd say months, maybe even years for some people. Right. So if we're talking about when you're going to retire, I don't imagine I'm having this conversation for with you today and you're going to retire tomorrow. Um, and for some people that can be fine if those things you're going to do is, is defined, but continuing on with this, this woman's yoga story. So we figure out, all right, she wants to go to yoga, go to yoga every day. Are you going to set the alarm every morning? Or are you going to wake up whenever you want, whenever you naturally wake up? And then what else are you going to do with your time? And I'm, I'm trying to remember the conversation I had with her, but part of it was volunteering. Mm-hmm. And then when she mentioned volunteering, we broke it down. We actually broke down to organizations she'd want to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the other thing I've learned through this, by the way, with volunteering is even if you've broken down to organizations, you've got to make sure they'll take you as a volunteer because <laughs> some organizations don't. Right. Okay. You think they should take on a volunteer. They need the help. They need the, the work. But then actually volunteering for them uh, proves to be very problematic. In some cases, you can't. So volunteering your time. Um, and then if, if um, you, we haven't discussed uh, who you're going to spend your time with, Mm-hmm. That's a conversation we have here as well. Mm-hmm. So what I don't want to happen is someone whose entire social interaction is at work, retire, and then have no social interaction mm-hmm. at all with anybody. Mm-hmm. So I have certain clients I've worked with where um, I've known them or worked with them for many years. And I, and I, 
Uh, I still have this conversation with them, but I'm not very concerned because they're very social. I'm thinking about someone in particular who I uh, very social, very active, does a ton of cultural stuff in, in DC, uh, the type of person that, that meets someone new in line, you know, and then becomes friends with that person for years. Uh-huh. I'm not as concerned about her with someone else who, uh, uh, as I've gotten to know them, I know they basically go to work, come home, and then watch TV, and that's that's the day. Yeah, that's the person I'm more concerned about. Yeah, where they're going to spend their time. With. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, well, good. I, uh, I I like the way that you handle it. I do think uh, the the thing that um, you said that sort of sounds common with the way that I approach it is, I am honestly not not. Um, prompting clients to take this or go through this thought process because I want to them to develop a result right then and there. What I'm really trying to do is to prompt a recognition in them that this is a fruitful, this is a fruitful exercise and it's one that they should be engaging in on an ongoing basis and really giving thought to does the, the thought that maybe the naive, um, unexamined um, sort of conventional approach to retirement that it's going to be just this period of abundant leisure. Is that really going to be satisfying? Yeah. Very, very, very good point. Mm -hmm. Uh, What will you be happy? And, and this is where it really is unique to the individual because there are definitely people who would be happy uh, sitting in front of a TV for eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. Right. And, I wouldn't want to do that myself, right? but if you want to, there's nothing wrong with that if that's a happy retirement for you. Mm-hmm. Counter that with someone who is sitting in front of the TV eight hours a day just because they don't know what else to do, but they're unhappy about it. Right. 20 years into it, you look back and you say, how have I spent the these last 20 years of my retirement? I think it's, it's sort of like that exercise of write your own obituary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in this is a, just a slightly less morbid version of that is <laughs> to say, you know, look back on the last 20 years. How have you spent your time or how do you how how do you hope you've spent your time? Was it watching Hogan's Heroes and get smart reruns uh, or was it, you know, volunteering at some place that would take you and working at the local food pantry or, or what have you? And actually, Eric, I think of something else as you mentioned that. When I'm working with younger people planning their retirement, Mm -hmm. the goals are lofty and Mm long-term. When I'm working with retirees, my goals are annual. Uh So it's, uh, you're going to travel in retirement. Where are you going to go this year? How many trips are you going to take? And we literally write down where they're going to go and write down their trips. When Mm -hmm. they say volunteer, we write down what they're going to volunteer for. Take classes is another common one I see. What classes are you going to take? And we review that at our meetings. And then at the end of the year, I'm not, um, uh, I'm not taking account from their goal as an, oh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? It's, it's look at all the things you got done this year and what things are we going to move forward? There's some people that'll put, that can only come up with one or two things. There are other people that yeah. will have a laundry list that it's not humanly possible to do in a year. Mm-hmm. So we know there are things that are going to get adjusted or move forward. Or maybe you said you were going to take a trip to city A, but you wanted to go to city B instead. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, you don't have to be locked in about it, but I want you thinking about what you want to do mm-hmm. and then um, uh, making and making adjustments along the way. I think the adjustments are key. Also, there are going to be things you think you want to do that, that when you get there, you don't using this yoga example. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing yoga now, but it's on, so it's unlikely she won't want to do it at all in retirement. But let's just say, Instead of doing it every single day, she wants to do it three or four days a week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are changes. Just be open to trying things and be open to those changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, adjusting is really important. And like you said, just being as creative as possible because just like in your career career field and retirement, there's going to be a, a lot of opportunity. And in retirement, that's also opportunity for you to maybe do things that you really didn't have time for in your twenties and thirties and forties because you're working so mm-hmm. much that you mm-hmm. might be able to go back to and do again and find that new love interest that you had earlier mm-hmm. on in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I, 
from time to time am out uh, with a group of, I'll say, you know, 60 something guys um, in prisons. And what's interesting about many, not all of these guys, but many of these guys is that they have retired. And they've retired a little bit early. A lot of times they're business owners that um, decided, hey, that was, that's it. You know, I had a long career running that business and I, I enjoyed it and I did well. And now I don't want to do that anymore. What I really want to do is just spend as much time as I possibly can in prisons. And um, I just think, man, these guys are really... They talk about being mission driven. Talk about having made a very conscious decision to say... This is more fulfilling. This is more meaningful. This is more at some level, you know, a, a really the, the, the fullest manifestation of the, what I believe is the calling and purpose of my life. And, um, you know, they're out there doing it. And I think, man, I love the way these guys have gone all in on something like that. And, you know, it may not be something that's quite as unusual is that, but something where people can say, uh, where they can say, man, I don't, I, I can't imagine a better way of spending, let's say my final 30 years on this planet than doing X or Y or Z. I would say, boy, let's uh, personally, at least this is kind of how I'm wired is I would say, aside from the financial constraint, which we've talked about earlier, has to really be a kind of a very from a pragmatic standpoint has to be a big consideration there. And so does your health. It's hard for me to think um, of many other considerations that we've talked about here today, uh, you know, that should probably loom larger. And I, when I say that, I don't mean to say, you know, rule, let that, let that Trump relational things. I mean, for example, got, uh, you know, um, Adrian, I don't know what kind of how this is going to evolve for you, but Roshan and I being in so far as, you know, we've got, we've got life partners. Um, uh, we're not, gonna, <laughs> you know, it's not like, it's not like we need, we're going to be indifferent uh, to what there is driving them. And in fact, in some ways that helping them express their, their fullest, um, their fullest purpose in their lives is also a big calling on our own lives. I think that that's what actually leads to a pretty healthy marriage is if you're both really pulling for the, for the, uh, something that's ultimately fulfilling for the other person. But, um, and, and maybe we should explore that <laughs> coming up too. But I do think that if, if you can see a clear call on your life, wow, don't, don't take that lightly. Don't, um, don't, uh, don't ignore that. Don't dim, don't dial that voice down in you, but really try if you can to to kind of amplify that voice and see how that can be played out. In some cases, maybe it doesn't mean retiring per se or, or stopping work. Maybe it just means making negotiating somewhat with your work to, uh, diminish its, it's, uh, sort of like over, um, you know, it's, oh, it may be too great a claim on your life and, and, and dial it back. Yeah. So you, you touched on so many points again, one that you mentioned a couple times that I, I want to highlight is um, it's 20 or 30 years, right? When you, when you retire now, uh, a generation ago, it was just a few years. Yeah, that's true. Now people are retiring and they've got 20 or 30 years in some cases, as long as they spent it in the workforce or more mm -hmm. in this time frame. So you don't want to, uh, uh, you, you want to spend that time intentionally mm -hmm. uh, with whatever, with whatever, with whatever you would want. And mm -hmm. the other thing you mentioned about that calling and not wanting to, to dim that light. If you ask people what their calling is, most people, uh, in my experience, most people don't know or haven't thought about it, haven't taken the time to think about it. So mm -hmm. if you are someone that has a clear cut vision for that, mm -hmm. you're lucky. And I agree with yeah. you completely. Don't dim that light, pursue it um, uh, as much as you can. Mm -hmm. So we've touched on uh, all of the categories I've mentioned here briefly. As I said, we will go in depth in some future episodes. The categories, once again, are what's your personal life mission? Are you financially ready? Do you have a plan uh, from a health perspective? Your loyalty to your current career, how you will spend your time in retirement, 
and getting emotionally uh, ready and also from a relationship perspective, making sure you are ready, uh, which touches on what you said with your spouse, uh, as well as who you will spend your time with in those relationships with friends and, and family. We didn't quite mention this, but when we get in depth later, we will. A lot of your relationships will change. A lot of times your social relationships are with, uh, with people at work and you'll come to find, I don't have much in common with these people besides, besides work. Mm -hmm. And then you end up developing new friendships. So I think mm -hmm. um, being prepared to develop those new friendships and also being prepared to let some go away um, is, a, is an important, an important factor. Mm -hmm. uh, Eric and Adrian, I'm going to ask both of you if you have anything to add on um, planning when to retire. Uh, I think we touched on some great points today. We had a lot of great content. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, I I, I think probably um, the emotional part and the relational part is are worth expanding on at some future podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think you know we've covered the waterfront. Probably not every nook and cranny, but we've covered certainly the waterfront. Uh, we have. I completely agree. And as you said, we will go in depth going forward. Uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. Please uh, like us, thumb, give us the thumbs up, five stars, all that, all that good stuff. We hope you continue to listen. We're going to help you get that that dream, the dream you have of your retirement, having a happy, fulfilling retirement accomplished. And uh, thank you very much. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Show. If you found this show helpful, gained knowledge, or enjoyed the time you spent with Roshan, Eric, and Adrian, tell your friends and leave us a five-star review. This will help others discover the show. To access our show notes, download any of the tools mentioned in today's podcast, or to ask us a question, go to retirewithroshan.com. That's retire with Roshan. R-O-S-H-A-N.com. All opinions expressed by podcast hosts and guests are solely their own. While based on information they believe is reliable, neither Arate Wealth nor its affiliates warrants its completeness or accuracy, nor do their opinions reflect the opinion of Arate Wealth. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be regarded as specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. Finally, our music is The Chance by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. It's part of the YouTube audio library and it's licensed under a Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.